0: Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Good evening, church. You may open your Bibles to Romans 10. It's been said about 20 times in the service. We are looking at missions tonight. And so we carry on with that theme in Romans 10. I have titled it A Simple Gospel. A Simple Gospel. Romans 10, verse 5 to 15. In your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, Who preach the good news. Let us pray. O oh Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart, that which I have prepared, I pray that it would be pleasing unto you. I pray that it would serve your ends and not my own. I pray that it would Be faithful to the living word of God, the truth that we are indeed slaves to, Lord. I pray that your truth would be proclaimed in all its glory tonight. I pray this in your name, amen. What is the bare bones of it? What is it when we think of missions? What is it that possesses a man or a woman to leave all that they know, the family and friends and the country that they love, to go to some foreign land, to painstakingly learn a new language, and to quite possibly contract some exotic disease? What possesses a man or woman to take that path? This morning, Jabu called them radicals. What is it that causes such radicalness? Is it frills and thrills? Is it a lust for adventure and travel? Is it that they're just bored with the normal and they're seeking something abnormal? What is it? Again, again, I'm going to call it missions. What is it that possesses some of our congregation every Monday night to go through some lessons on evangelism, to put efforts into learning how to evangelize, and then to go onto the streets and to seek people out and to ask them the question, have you heard the gospel? And to try and use words to explain the gospel. Why would anyone risk the embarrassment of being told I'm not interested in what you have to say. Again, dare I, I shall call it missions. What is it that possesses me to stand up here? Or any of the pastors who stand up here and preach? Or maybe one of our missionaries, one of our connections who goes into Sunnyside and on the street corner opens his Bible and preaches on the street. Are we entertainers? Is that it? If I manage to keep you guys awake for half an hour and crack one or two jokes, have I done my job? Again, one last time, dare I, I shall call it missions. What would possess you to wake up tomorrow to go to work or class or maybe to the gym and to nudge someone you know and to share the gospel with them? What would possess you what would possess you when you go home in December? What would possess you to rustle some feathers and share the gospel with your family? Why, why bother? Why bother with any of it? I think this text that we're going through, Romans 10, I think it is hopeful. I think it gives us not just a task to do, but it also gives us some motive, some ambition. And it shows us where, where we as Christians fit into God's scheme of things, God's design for salvation. My first point, we have a simple message of salvation, a simple message. It is simple in contrast to verse five to what Moses wrote, Paul quotes Leviticus. Moses writes about Righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Moses gave you what is theoretically true, but practically impossible. It is true if you keep all the commandments, you have attained righteousness. It is true. And so it was. A lawyer came up to Jesus seeking to test him, and he asked, How do I get eternal life? How do I get into heaven? How do I do it? How do I do it? <laughs> Jesus asked a question in response. What does the law say? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you will live. Jesus responded, It is theoretically true. It is theologically sound. But it is practically impossible you will spend your entire life trying to love god with all your heart and soul and strength and you will find your efforts do not match the requirement you may spend your entire life trying to love your neighbor as you love yourself and you will find your efforts fail dismally you may climb the highest mountain you may make, you may make pilgrimages to some distant city you may know the law the bible From cover to cover, you may sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. A lifetime of penance and reaching for God, it will not suffice because he is holy and he is pure and we are anything but. A lifetime of good works may be undone by one selfish thought, one moment spent where your heart and soul and strength is not devoted to God. One moment, one moment where you elevate yourself above your neighbor, all it takes is one moment. And there are many, many such moments. And so Isaiah puts it thus, the sum of all our efforts, it is but dirty rags. What came to my mind was an episode of Tom and Jerry and Tom chases Jerry for the whole episode, but no matter how hard he tries, no matter what scheme he comes up with, he simply does not catch him. In contrast to verse five, in contrast to what you would spend your entire life reaching for and never attaining, in contrast to that, righteousness based on faith does away with those things. Righteousness based on faith tells us it rebukes us when we chase myth. It ministers to our hearts when we ask the question, who is going up to bring Jesus down? As if we need to somehow find our own way to heaven because Jesus ascended there. Who will descend into the abyss? Who will pass into the afterlife? As if we need to bring back our Messiah from the dead. As if the sa- our Savior did not rise from the dead on the third day. Don't overcomplicate salvation, Paul is saying. Don't overcomplicate how you are made right with God. Don't make the fatal mistake of replacing a law that is impossible to keep with a Jesus that is impossible to find. That's not what righteousness based on faith says. Verse 8. But what does it say? What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your hearts. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because, because it is this simple. Because the salvation that is offered to us through Jesus on the cross for our sins, it is not an unkeepable law and it is not an unfindable Jesus. Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is simple. It is simple in contrast to being justified. By righteousness. It is simple. It is accessible. It is by faith. By faith. If the spirit of God be at work in our hearts, it is by faith attainable. It is so close. It is so near. It is so simple that even tonight, it is not beyond the realms of possibility. That someone walked in that door and they did not believe and they walk out an hour later and the spirit of God has worked in their hearts and they responded and they believed and they confessed. It is not beyond the realms of possibility because it is that simple. What is the difference between the saved and the unsaved? What is the difference between the unbeliever and the believer? What is the difference between the going to hell and the going to heaven? I'm on, I'm on my way to hell. You see it in the next few verses. I hear the word of God, the gospel preached. And as I hear, we believe the spirit of God awakens me. It takes me. It takes my dead and cold and rock hard heart. And it brings me to life. And then I believe in my heart. And then I confess with my mouth. And then I am saved. And then I'm on my way to heaven. And by God's grace, by God's grace, some good may come of it. By God's grace, the evidence of salvation is here. The fruit of the Spirit is here. There's discipleship along the way. There's some sort of spiritual maturity by God's grace. And of course, we hope and we pray for these things. But these things are not salvation. This is salvation, the gospel. And when the simple gospel is declared in the ears of unbelievers this is what the Spirit of God uses to save those who were once dead in their trespasses. These are the ingredients that God uses to save sinners. I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth, and I am saved. Does this mean I saved myself? By no means. The point isn't some sort of deep introspection and hyping myself up and looking in the mirror and claiming it. It's not the point. It may be simple, but it does not lack substance. You are drowning in the ocean, and Paul's point is not that you magically grow wings and learn how to fly. His point is that the salvation you need, the salvation you seek, the Jesus who died on the cross for your sins and rose again, he is not in some far-off boat in the ocean, wandering about, looking for some stray swimmer who's drowning? No, if the Spirit of God has pricked your heart, then Jesus is near. He is near. If you were sinking in the water and you looked up, you would see the shadow of the boat. You would see a hand reaching out to save you. He is near at hand. It is simple but it does not lack substance. We do not save ourselves. Paul doesn't give us the sinner's prayer. He doesn't give us that. Of course it is good when our heart is awakened unto a holy God and it is fitting in that moment that you confess your sins. But Paul doesn't give us a sinner's prayer. His point here is not a magic spell that you can say after me, And there are no words that you can say with your mouth that will save you if the depths of your hearts do not believe in Jesus. But his point is, it is simple. It is simple and it is near. I like the King James Version. The word is nigh unto thee, the word is near to you. It is in your mouth and it is on your lips and it is in your heart. Do you feel the tug of God on your soul this is it it is this simple believe in your heart confess with your mouth and you shall be saved do you believe that Paul believed that that's what Paul was on about on his missionary journeys believe and be saved one night one night Paul and Silas were in jail It's late at night, they, in Paul and Silas' fashion, they're busy singing their songs and hymns and praising God. There's an earthquake, the doors to the jail swing open. The jailer wakes up, he sees the doors are open and he thinks all the prisoners escaped and he he prepares to kill himself because he knows he will be held responsible. But Paul, Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. It's a simple, simple gospel. This is what Paul was on about 2,000 years ago, and in all those years, it has not changed. The years have not added hoops that you and I have to jump through, but the years have added beauty to the grace of God that outlasts every generation of sinners. And so it's the same today. This is the same challenge that Paul used to challenge sinners 2,000 years ago. Believe and be saved. Verse 11, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel that we share, the gospel that we preach, the gospel that we go on and on and on about it on Sundays and at Youth and at Awana and all the rest of them. This good news. How, how good is it really? Can it really save souls? Paul, are you sure that in the simplicity of it, it can still save souls? Are you sure this is all I need? My first point, it is a simple gospel. My second point, the simple gospel that we preach, it is effective unto all who believe. It works, it works. It is functional, it achieves the end that it promises and it achieves that end universally without exception. What do I mean by that? Christian, Christian, just as you and I were not turned away when we heard and believed and confessed, so too the promise is thus, everyone, everyone, whosoever shall believe in the name of the Lord, they will be saved you understand the implications of this? Liar, murderer, rapist, cheater, gay, gossiper, person who grew up in church who thinks they're innocent but have never truly believed, Muslim, ancestor worshiper, Buddhist, atheist, Chinese, South African, Nigerian, cannibal on some distant island, American, Jew, Greek, no one will be turned away. No one who encounters God and calls on his name will be turned away. No one will get to this point where they hear the gospel and the spirit of God works in their hearts and and they try and turn around and they, they try and believe, they try and confess and then they are turned away. No one no one the blood of jesus is sufficient unto all who would believe in him you may have lived a shameful life to this point but this is the promise if you look upon jesus everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame O sinner it matters not from whence you have come but if you come And if God so moves in you and you believe and you confess from henceforth, you are saved. But Consider this, consider this. If if this is true, if it's true, and you walk away from it and you disregard it and you harden your heart and you decide in your heart that you'll have none of it. If the simple message of the gospel is too simple for you, And you would rather walk away and dismiss it as foolishness because you want to try and make your own way into heaven. If you think that your little, feeble, frail mind can somehow think your creator out of existence, you will be sorely disappointed. If you do that, you will surely, surely you shall be put to shame. Surely you will be outcast and you will surely not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a simple message, a simple message we preach. It is effective unto all those who would believe in him. And thirdly, God's design is that we share this simple message. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Of course, of course what we believe, it has moral implications. Of course the life we live and how we choose to live it, of course that testifies to the God that we believe in. Of course it is right and it is fitting that if your sins be forgiven, that your life evidences that. Of course, that is abundantly clear from the scriptures. But Christian, what do you see in these verses? What, what does the word of God say? How shall they call on a Jesus in whom they do not believe? And how will they believe in a Jesus of whom they have never heard? And how will they hear about him if no one tells them about him? And how will they be told if no one is sent to tell them? Who does the sending? Of course, of course we know it's God. God saves. God raises men and women and he uses them to achieve his ends. A quote from Jabu this morning, in God's plan of redemption... He chose to save souls by using those who have already tasted the fruit of salvation. Who does the sending? Of course, it is God. But where do we fit in? Do we wait? Do we watch on from the stands as God's plan unfolds? Do we fold our arms and put our feet up and say, it's, it's in God's hands. God doesn't need me to achieve his end. Or do we do what God designed us to do? Surely, surely these verses are an invitation to us. If you, if you turn back one page and you read Romans 9, it's as if you, you're standing at a distance and you're observing this great painting. You see God's design. You see election. You see predestination. You see God choosing. You see him having mercy on whom he will have mercy, loving one, hating the other, God is the God of salvation. From eternity past to eternity future, he is sovereign over it all. But if you read Romans 10, it's as if Paul is inviting you closer. Come closer to this painting. See the finer details of how God achieves this. See the good works that God has prepared for you. See how in every brushstroke, God has designed it thus, that his church should proclaim the gospel on the rooftops and on the mountains and unto the ends of the earth. And when the church takes this matter seriously, see how men and women are saved by God's sovereign hand. See how when, when the church takes this matter of the gospel seriously, see how all who respond and call on his name are saved. It is not I that saves. But God has ordained it thus. He has ordained salvation thus. That when you and I, when we open our mouths and when we preach the gospel and share the gospel, this is how men and women are saved. What is one of the implications of this? Unless, unless at some point I Unless at some point we as the church and yes, Central Baptist, but also the wider church of God, if the church does not send out missionaries unto the ends of the earth. And if if the church does not send missionaries to go, and if they go, but they busy themselves about other things and they miss this point of opening their mouths and sharing the simple gospel of salvation... Unless those things happen, we have no reasonable expectation that anyone will be reached and that anyone will hear and that anyone will believe and that anyone will be saved. Let's bring it closer to home. Your friend, your child, your uncle, your cousin, the cashier checkers, <laughs> all the unbelievers that you have in your circle and that you encounter in your life. Unless someone at some stage opens their mouth and tells them about the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, unless quite possibly you, you Christian, unless you open your mouth and share the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, unless you do that, you have no reasonable expectation that they will be saved at all. Parents, You cannot beat your children into heaven. Friends, you cannot befriend and smile people into heaven. Philanthropists, there is no sum of money. There is no quantity of charity that you can give to anyone that will get them into heaven. Politician, there is no revolution you can instigate that can save a man's soul. Doctors, there is no drug you can prescribe me that could save my soul and it goes on and on by all means do those things the glory of God if God has blessed you but the end of it all the end of all relationships of all human interaction the end of all our efforts of all our conversations it has to be this whether we spurt it out at the moment we meet someone or whether we wait until we have gained their trust it has to be this that we open our mouths and we look someone in the eye and we told them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And unless they believe in him, they cannot be saved. Will you repent? Will you be saved? You don't have to preach a 30-minute sermon. You don't need many words. You don't need eloquent words. You don't need to know every verse in the Bible and have an answer to every theological question. All you need is a simple gospel of Jesus Christ. For it, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Jebel said it this morning. Start start with your testimony. Were you, were you Christian? Were you once on your way to hell? Were your sins once too many to bear? Were you drowning in the ocean of your efforts? Did you not hear the gospel? Did you not believe in it? Did you not confess it with your mouth? Were you not then saved by the blood of the lamb? Go, go share, share the simple gospel. Tell of what Jesus has done for you. A quote as I, as I close from Charles Hodges commenting on these verses. It is the first and most pressing duty of the church to cause all men to hear the gospel. The solemn question implied in the language of the apostle, how can they believe without a preacher? This question, it should sound day and night in the ears of the churches. If the gospel, if the gospel be simple, if this simple gospel be effective unto salvation, If this simple gospel can save even the worst of sinners and do so even in the most distant of nations, if by God's design it falls to the church to send and to proclaim and to us believers to open our mouths and speak this simple gospel unto our friends and neighbors and nations, if that is all true, do you see that the question is no longer what possessed that crazy radical missionary to go <laughs> the question becomes what possesses us what makes us think it is better to just sit by and watch people perish and go to hell how dare we how dare we who have been lavished with gra- the, with the grace of god who have been washed by the blood of the lamb we who have come to the cross as sinners? and we who are now beneficiaries of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ how dare we keep it to ourselves how dare we may we may we be useful in the hands of god again again I'll quote it again it is the first and it is the most pressing duty of the church to cause all men and women to hear the gospel may it be so even of us here today. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I, I do pray that over us. I pray that over this church. I pray that over the individuals in this church. I pray that over myself. May we be useful in your hands. Give us the courage, give us the faith to open our mouths and share this simple gospel. Oh Lord, save souls. Please, Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.